And let me start off by saying this. As we come to December, we come to the end of the year, I think it's uh, very wise for us to often, um, when we come to the end of the year, examine uh, where we are spiritually. Examine our own hearts where we are spiritually as individuals. Examine our church's spiritual life. Where are we as a church? Why do we do what we do um, here at Fellowship Baptist Church? I think that's very wise for us to examine where we are. When we come to January, uh, we, we set goals, don't we? Uh, we've, we've set goals this past year, 2023, uh, things that we would try to do better spiritually, personally. We've set goals as, church, as a church family um, and, and what direction we want to go in certain areas. And as we come to the end of the year, it's wise for us to just stop and examine where we are spiritually. The book of Revelation addresses seven letters to seven churches in Asia Minor. Asia Minor at that time is uh, modern-day Turkey. Um, And Sardis, the church in Sardis, is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, That is the text. And each letter that that was written was written by Jesus or proclaimed by Jesus and recorded by the Apostle John. And each letter to these churches really declares the triumphs of the churches as well as the failings. And we find here in this uh, passage of Scripture, the advice in these letters is, is really not only for these seven churches um, in that day. They are also a forewarning for present-day Christian communities of the snares that can lure us away from our faith. They're meant for us as well. Uh, one of the different things about this church, in, in, uh, in every uh, letter, it's a little bit different, and Jesus and, all, and most of the other letters mention persecution from the world. In this church, we don't find any persecution from the, church, from, from the world. But also, we don't find um, not only persecution, but there's not false doctrine being promoted within this church. A lot of the other churches, of the seven churches, there's a lot of false doctrine, there's a lot of persecution. We don't find that here in this church. As a matter of fact, as we'll read, this church had a great reputation, a reputation of being respected by others. It was a, 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 a church that people looked up to, but it was spiritually dead. It was spiritually lifeless. And this is a, a church that other churches might have said, hey, we need to go to the church of Sardis and see how they're doing things. I mean, they had life. We need to get some good ideas of how they minister, uh, maybe some of the programs that they might have. That was the church that they went to, that they looked to. On the outside, it was a thriving church. But I want us to read the text here, starting in verse number one and go through verse number six. The Bible says this, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou art that thou hast a name that thou livest, right? You have a good name. You look alive. But he says, and art dead. He says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in in white, for they are worthy. 
He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. This morning I want to preach on the subject, the dead church. The dead church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we love you. God, we're so thankful for this opportunity that we have to come to your house and to gather with other brothers and sisters in Christ. God, just to be here to edify one another, encourage the discouraged. Father, most importantly, to be here to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, we're here to lift your name high. God, we're here to grow in your word. We're here to Father, take what we hear from your word and apply it to our lives so that we would conform to the image of Christ. God, I pray that you would meet with us today. We know that you're here, but Father, we ask that you would, God, just speak to each and every one individually. Father, give us unity as far as, a, as the church goes and, and knowing why we do what we do and Father, help us to take this time to examine our own lives, examine where we are as a church, and ask ourselves the question, hey, do, are we dead spiritually? God, and if, if we are, and if you're not, if you don't hold the proper place here at fellowship, and if the Spirit isn't moving, then God, we ask that you would help us to get those things right. Because we don't want to be a dead church. God, we want to be spiritually alive here at Fellowship Baptist Church. And so, God, I ask that you would speak to us. God, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would give me the words to say to your people because they've come to hear from your word. And God, we'll give you all the praise and glory for what you'll do. And it's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray these things. Amen. We come here to verse number one, and the Bible says, And unto the angel, or the messenger of the church in Sardis, Right, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. We find here that Jesus is speaking. If you have a red letter edition Bible, you'll see that these words are in red. That's because Jesus is, is speaking here, and he explains who he is to each church. Every address that he makes, he explains who he is, and to every church he explains it differently. We find here in this passage, he says that he is the one that has the seven spirits of God. Now, commentators believe that he is speaking of the sevenfold ministry of the Spirit. And so what he's saying is that I am Jesus and I have the Holy Spirit, right? I have, the, I ha, I, I have given the Holy Spirit. But then also he says that he is the one that, that hath the seven stars. This speaks of his power. It speaks of his preeminence. And so what, what Jesus is saying is that, hey, I gave you the Holy Spirit and I should have the preeminence. Because here's the thing, this church we find was a dead church, right? And I believe personally because this church did not, the, the Holy Spirit was not leading in this church, right? We find that this church also did not hold Jesus where he was supposed to be, where he was supposed to have the preeminent stance there at, at that church in Sardis. And so without, we find that without the Holy Spirit, we are dead. Can I get an amen? Without the Holy Spirit, we are dead. There is no life without the Spirit. There is no spiritual life without the Holy Spirit. And we have the Spirit here, but, and it's, he's, he's available to us, but we often don't yield. 
We find here this is a church that has the Spirit, but they're not yielding. Understand that a dead church needs the Spirit of God. A dead church needs the Spirit of God. Church, listen, we need to seek Christ for the Spirit of God. Let me ask you a question this morning. When you came, before you came into church this morning, did you get a hold of the Lord Jesus? Did you call on him and say, God, I need to hear from you this morning? We all should. I mean, as a family, as an individual, go to God and say, God, I'm going into your house. I'm going to where other believers are. I'm going to where your word is preached, and I want to hear from you. Holy Spirit, move. We need that. We need to seek Christ for the Spirit of God. We need to seek the life-giving, quickening power of the Spirit. We need to seek the fruit of the Spirit. God, help me to have the love and the joy and the peace and the the long-suffering and the gentleness and the kindness that only the Spirit can give. We need to seek the guidance of the Spirit. Listen, the leadership here at Fellowship Baptist Church, if we are not going to die as a church, then the leadership needs to be led by the Spirit. Getting a hold of God, asking God to lead, asking God to guide, but not only the leadership, also the members. Ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We need to seek the witnessing power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, understand I understand that it can be difficult to share your faith. Sometimes it can be scary to tell others about Jesus and his love. I don't know why it is. Maybe because we fear uh, rejection. Maybe because we fear uh, um, persecution. And I don't know what the case is, but we need the Holy Spirit's power when it comes to witnessing. And so we find here a church that is not seeking the Holy Spirit, but also a dead church needs to place Jesus first where he belongs. We have this on our back wall, Jesus first, but are we living that? Is Jesus truly first here at Fellowship Baptist Church? Everything that we do, is Jesus at the forefront? Is he at the center? We find here this church had a problem because Jesus didn't hold the preeminence. Jesus was not first, and therefore, because of that, there was no life. And so I want to look at three things according to this passage, and as we look at these things, I want us to all be examining our own lives. I want us all to examine uh, our church as a whole. As we look at these things and ask ourselves, hey, are we dead spiritually or are we alive? Do we have life spiritually? First of all, we see in this passage of Scripture, we see the problem, number one. Number one, we see the problem. Look at verse number, verse number one. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works. They were doing things right, right? They, they had works that thou hast a name that thou livest, right? You had, they had a reputation that they were alive, that they were thriving, and art dead. If you would look at this church with a human perspective from the outside, you would see a thriving church. You would see a church that was alive, a church that had a good name within the community. They had a strong reputation. But the one that this church was to be pleasing, which is Jesus, he says otherwise. He says that they're dead. In this church, there was a form of godliness, 
but they denied the power thereof. There was a form of godliness, but God was not at the center of what they did. There was a deadness in their service. There was a deadness in their prayer. There was a deadness in their preaching. There was a deadness in their fellowship because God wasn't in it. And what little life that they did have was dying also. He says, strengthen those things that remain. The things that that did remain, they were slipping away. This was a church that was spiritually dying. This was a church that had works. I mean, you look at this church, they had every program you can think of. They had a calendar full of activities. They had different ministries. And that's why they had such a a good name, a good reputation within the community. On the outside looking in, other churches looked at the church at Sardis as being alive, as being well-attended, well-liked. Maybe they were having building programs. It It looked to be alive. It had the right beliefs. It had the right doctrines, but it was lifeless and it was dying. And so we asked the question this morning, how can a church that is so active, how can a church that has a calendar full year-round have so many ministries and yet be dying? They weren't dying physically. They were dying spiritually. Physically, they looked okay. But spiritually, they were dead. And here is our, our warning for us today to watch out for. And I, I just wrote down a few things that I think we need to, to look at, at at our own church and our, at our own personal lives. We find, number one, a church dies spiritually when it has a form of worship or godliness but denies its power. A church dies spiritually when it has a form of worship or godliness but denies its power. You know, we have people that go to church to worship worship more than Jesus. We have people who go to church who, what, what, what do we mean by that? We worship goosebumps. We worship the feeling. We worship the emotion more than, what we, more than we worship Jesus. And so when we leave church, we think, oh, well, if I didn't raise my hand, if I didn't cry, if no one cried, and if no one had any signs of emotion, then God didn't work. That's not true. Because oftentimes we worship, worship, we worship the feeling more than we worship Jesus. You see, evidence of true worship when you come to church is what you and I do after we worship. The evidence is how we act on Monday through Saturday. The evidence of true worship is you drawing closer to God. The evidence of true worship is you conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the evidence of true worship. It's not just the feeling. And I'm not saying the feeling is bad because God gave us an emotion, emotions for a reason. That's not a bad thing. But if that's what we're basing what true worship is, then we're wrong. And we're spiritually dying. A church dies spiritually when it focuses on ritual, ceremony, tradition, instead of Jesus Christ. We are so, sometimes we get so concerned with the traditions or the ceremonies of things that we forget why we are even at church. 
We get so caught up in, in holding strong to those traditions. And I'm not saying every tradition is wrong because they're not. There are some good things that have been carried down through the years that we need to hold fast to. Amen? But if we base, listen, if we come to church just to hold on to the traditions of men, then we've missed it. We're dying spiritually. Listen, we can, if Jesus, uh, understand, we are, are to be here for one person, for one reason, and that is Jesus Christ. A church that spiritually dies, a church dies spiritually when also it focuses on activities instead of Jesus Christ. We can think that a church that has a calendar full of activities is alive, right? But if Jesus isn't the focus of those activities, is it really alive? We can have fun, but Jesus should be the center of everything. When we have activities, say, well, explain, Pastor. Well, let me just give a couple examples. When we have activities here at Fellowship Baptist Church, we should come to those activities to have fun, and we can have fun, but also to take that opportunity to say, hey, I can, I can encourage the discouraged today at an activity. Right? I can, when I go to the, these events and we have uh, those that are lost that come to our church, we can have a fun and we can have a blast, but also we go with the attitude to say, Jesus, would you please just lead me to someone that's going to be visiting? Would you lead me to someone? Give me the opportunity to give them the gospel. Give me the opportunity to help meet their need. And it's allowing Jesus to be the center of everything that we do. A church dies spiritually when it attends, listen to this, when it attends services and activities for social fellowship instead of for spiritual growth and edification. Why are you here? Are you here just to have a good time with your buddies? Are, are you here to be edified by the saints? Are you here to grow in the word of God? Are you here to allow God to, are you here to allow God to work in your life? Oftentimes I feel like we will have the biggest attendance if we're going to do something fun. But when it's something that we're getting down to the nitty gritty and where we're talking about how we can grow in the word of God, People don't come. That's, that's, that's scary, church. That's an issue. That's a church that does not have the right priorities. That is a church that will eventually die. A church that is dying also loses its zeal for witnessing and sharing Christ. A church that doesn't evangelize will fossilize. Right? A church that is dying becomes complacent and lethargic in the study of God's word and in prayer and in spiritual growth. A church is dying when the members sit in worship and Bible study classes as a matter of duty or even enjoyment instead of hungering and thirsting after righteousness. A church is dying when the preacher preaches and he teaches. It becomes a matter of duty and not the desire to feed the flock. A church is dying when the, the, the pastor or the ministers become, uh, the ministry becomes a means of livelihood instead of preaching and teaching to win and grow people in Christ. A church that is dying can seldom be convicted 
that it is dying. Christ has to do the convicting. The Holy Spirit has to enlighten us. And as we come to the end of this year, 2023, I think it's wise for us to examine our personal lives as well as the church's direction and ask ourselves the questions, why am I here? Why am I here? Why do I do what I do? There was a problem. There was a problem in this church. But also, we see number two, the council. The council. Look at verse number two. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that, that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Jesus says, be watchful. What is he telling them? He's telling them to wake up. I just woke up three people now. He's telling us to wake up. Wake up from this spiritual sleep that we find ourselves in. The reason the things that they were doing, which were many, the Bible says, they were not acceptable by God is because that they were spiritually asleep. What was happening here? They were just going through the motions of church. Man, that's easy to do, isn't it? I'll be the first to tell you, it is easy to just go through the motions of church. Sunday morning's here, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to sit down, we're going to sing, we're going to read scripture, we're going to, we're going to pray together as a church, we're going to hear a message, and then we're going to go home and eat. Through the motions. Jesus says, wake up. Strengthen what remains. Remember that the church was doing what it was supposed to be doing. It was doing many things. It had the meetings, it had the services, it had the ministries. What was wrong was the spirit of the people. Their spirits were not focusing on Jesus Christ and the gospel. They were just going through the motions. The point is this, that the people were not alive. They were spiritually dead. And so Jesus says, watch, keep watch. They needed to rethink why they and the church were here on this earth. They needed to remember what their calling was. They needed to remember why they were meeting together as a church. Strengthen the things which remain. I also see that this church is being told here that there is still a chance for them to survive. Strengthen those things. There's still a way for you to survive. The believers needed to take the ministries that they had and put new life into them. Listen, not, the Bible goes on to say here that not a single ministry had been completed or carried out like it should be. The end of verse number three. Or sorry, verse number two. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Not one of those things that they did. Their works were many, but they were not accepted by God. What a scary thought. We can do many things here, but if we don't do it with the right heart and with the right motive, then there's a very good chance that they are not accepted by God. That's a scary thought. I hope it never happens here at Fellowship Baptist Church. I pray that when we come into God's house, we aren't just here to check off our religious duty list but that we are prepared to worship Jesus and we are prepared to, and desire to edify the saints and to grow in our faith. That when we come in to sing, when we come in to pray, when we come in to read the scripture and to hear the preaching on Sunday mornings, that we truly desire to lift Jesus high. 
that we truly desire that God gets a hold of us and that he, he grows us in his word and that we are conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That when we give our tithes and our offerings, and I don't speak much about that, but let me just say this, every member at Fellowship Baptist Church should be giving of their tithes and of their offerings. But as we give those things, we give it with a deep-rooted love for Jesus Christ. The right reason for why we do what we do. Church, let's not be a church that just goes through the motions. That just goes through the motions. So we can be here so, so the, the leadership doesn't text you on Monday morning. We missed you. Hope everything is okay. But that we're here because we want to be. He goes on to say in verse number three, remember, therefore, he's, he warns them of, of things that they need to do. He has four things here. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. He begins to warn them. Listen, church, it's time that you wake up. It's time that you get these things right, because if not, I'm going to come as a thief in the night. We find here these four things. Number one, they have to remember how they received and heard the gospel. They had to look back and remember how they, when they first received Jesus Christ, the excitement that they had, the energy that they had. They just desired to get plugged in the church. They desired to serve the Lord in any way that they could. And he's telling them, you need to remember how you first received and how you heard the gospel. Do you remember when you first accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? The excitement that you had? You just couldn't wait to go and tell your, your family, I found Jesus. He saved me. He gave me eternal life. That excitement that you had to go to church the next week and say, Pastor, what can I do? How can I help? Where can I serve? That excitement to say, hey, I want to put Jesus first in my life. And he's saying, hey, you need to get back and remember that time in your life. Church, it's time that we start getting back to the excitement of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Remembering what he did for us when he saved our wicked, sin, sinful soul. Get back to remembering that. But also, not only do we remember, he says, hold fast. Now that we've looked back, now that we've remembered those things, those times where we were on fire for God, when we, were, we desired to serve him with all that we had, remember those things and then hold fast to them. Hold fast to the gospel. But then he says, you have to repent. They had done wrong, didn't they? They had their wrong priorities. They had their wrong focus. And God says that you need to repent. They had sinned against Christ by losing their fervor, by not holding him in the rightful place that he deserved. And they needed to turn away from that error. They needed to turn back to Christ. And let me say here this morning, if there's anyone in here today that says, hey, I've lost my fervor for God. I've lost that excitement that I once had. And you know what? It's time for us to repent. It's time for us to have a change of direction. Say, God, I want to get back to it. God, I want to hold fast to those things. He says also that they must know that the judgment of Christ will fall upon them if they refuse to repent. And they won't know when it will happen. 
So church, let me encourage you to examine your own heart. Examine your own heart. Don't think of anybody else sitting next to you or someone that might not even be, that, that is not even here this morning. Think of your own heart. Examine your own life. How do I come to church? Why do I serve? Why do I give? Problem, there's a counsel, and then lastly, there's a promise. Verse number four, he says, Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Christ, he not only gives them the, the, the counsel here, but he gives them a promise. He promises some things. And it's the promise to those who overcome. In verse number four, it mentions those who have not defiled their garments. There were a few in the church who had not defiled, spotted their lives with worldliness. They had not lost their fervor. They kept Christ where he needed to be. And they had kept themselves from being polluted by the world. And God promises to them that they would be dressed in white. It's the garment of purity and righteousness, of perfection, that will be given to the believer when he enters into heaven. It's that glorification. But then he says the overcomer will not be blotted out of the book of life. The Bible kind of paints this picture of uh, scripture that, that it gives us is that every person's name is written in the Lamb's book of life when that person is born again. And at death here on this earth, those with their name in that book will get to live eternally in heaven. But what it also shows me is that in this church, there's a scary thought here. And that is there will be people within the church whose name is not, who is, whose name is on the membership roll, those who have been baptized, those who have given of their ties, but are spiritually dead. Never overcoming sin, death, and the grave through Jesus Christ. That's a scary thought. But praise God, those who overcome through Jesus will be in the Lamb's book of life. For all of eternity. But then thirdly, the third promise to the overcomer is that he will be acknowledged by Christ before God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, he said, whosoever there shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny, be, de deny before my Father which is in heaven. Christ will confess that he knows the believer who overcame sin through Christ. What a wonderful promise that he ends here. But what's the lesson for us this morning, church? As a church, what's the lesson for us? Here it is. It doesn't matter how many ministries the church has. It doesn't matter how many activities that the church has throughout the year. It doesn't matter how many programs that the church has. It doesn't matter how many people the church has if it is not totally focused on keeping Christ first. And if the Holy Spirit isn't working and Jesus doesn't have his rightful place, then we have nothing. We are spiritually dead. We are dead and we are lifeless in Christ's eyes. So church, let us be a church that keeps Jesus and his wonderful gospel first. Let us be a people who remembers when we first received him. Remember the, how we received and heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and hold fast to that 
and repent and turn. When we, when we find ourselves getting off track, let's get back in focus, get back on him, and let's not die as a, as a church. Let's spiritually stay alive as individuals and as a church community together. Amen? Let's not be a dead church.